It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at clipit.tv or check them on Twitter at clipittv. Welcome into the 29th, a.k.a. The Rookie Year Shady edition of the Counterpoint Podcast. Uh, rookie Year Shady makes sense, right? I mean, we're not going to use Nate Allen or DeMarco fucking Murray because he's trash. And so is Nate Allen. So I'm going to go Rookie Year Shady on this episode of the Counterpoint Podcast. Brought to you by BGN Radio and BGNRadio.com and BleedingGreenNation.com. Uh, I'm your host, Jack Fritz. As always... And let's just hop right into it, right? Let's get right into Jack's headlines because Howie motherfucking Roseman does it again. Came across our timelines yesterday. I was all ready to do a a counterpoint. And then Howie goes full Howie on us and makes a trade to to keep the Eagles window wide open and going to get Michael Bennett. And here's the thing about Michael Bennett is that I think Michael Bennett is like an asshole but guess what? Now he's our asshole. Now he is our asshole when he's doing that dance. And the only reason that I think he's an asshole was because of how Seattle handled themselves on the field last year and in years past. And I'm really just frustrated that we could never beat them because I wanted to beat their ass more than anyone else in the entire league. Outside the Patriots, of course. But beating the Seahawks is always number one. And also, RIP to the Seahawks window. It's, it's completely closed shut now. Uh, 2012 to 2017, it is over. So we won't have to worry about that anymore. Um, but yeah, so Howie Roseman, it, the the funny thing about the trade, and the, it came out a little later, so obviously it didn't happen right as right as it was going on. But it came out later that the Patriots offered up a third round pick, and Howie gave them a fifth round pick. Once again, the Patriots are taking L's, but. I think it's really, I think it's actually really telling, like serious football for a second. I think it's really telling that the Patriots wanted a guy who was 32 turning 33 because they have, they've had pass rushing issues for a couple years now. And the Eagles beat them to it. The, and it seems like the Patriots always get a guy like Michael Bennett. 
They always get a guy like Michael Bennett on the end of his career, comes in, dominates, wins the Super Bowl. Guess what? We're that team now, baby. The Eagles are that team. Howie, it's like, it's like, oh, things are boring. The Eagles are going to have a really boring offseason. It's more about who they're going to lose rather than who they're going to gain. And Howie's like, mm, no, fuck that. We're going to go and get Michael Bennett. <laughs> like, it's just the guy doesn't stop working ever. And I love him. And I'm already envisioning the Howie statue outside of, of, of the link with that suit that's a little bit a little bit over a little bit it's a little bit big on Howie and yes I still have visions of Howie every morning walking downstairs in his robe after his wife took his kids to school because he's not waking up to take his kids to school because he's a football guy now uh, and pouring that cup of coffee looking up and just starting cackling as for what he's gonna get for Nick Foles uh, I'm looking forward to that trade Howie I can't wait uh, keeping Nick Foles is insanely short-sighted we've been over this before but we got to do serious football stuff because we got to do serious football inside the trust tree. So let's, let's transition into the trust tree. Also. Yeah. Let's just transition into the trust tree. Um, I'm very nervous about Brandon Graham. Uh, I think this addition is sort of like, I think they're going to try to trade BG and I love Brandon Graham. And this would be a trade that, would would make me pretty nervous and it would make me sad because BG is like the best dude ever and had the biggest play in the Super Bowl and was fantastic and he's been through so much here. He is a great dude and losing him would hurt. But I'm nervous for, for this reason because I think they, they brought in Michael Bennett in an attempt to be like to soften the blow of a of a Brandon Graham trade and the impact on the field in a way. Uh, Brandon Graham, as we all know, is is in, entering into his last year of his contract, and he's going to want big money. He it's his last chance to get paid. He he is going to want big money, and the Eagles have a have a looming Carson Wentz big time hundred fifty million dollar contract they have to worry about. And I'm worried that Brandon is a cap casualty. They can go get Michael Bennett. He's cheaper, and I think they kind of view it as it's not that big of a drop off from BG to Michael Bennett. And if you can keep everyone else on that line, you can restructure Vinnie Curry or just move in Derek Barnett and then go into the draft and, and, and look at more defensive ends. I'm not saying this is what what's going to happen, but it was a thought that entered into my brain yesterday. And I was definitely a little worried once I started, you know, putting the pieces together of his contracts coming up. They have no draft picks. Michael Bennett plays the same side as him. It was just something that it's 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 a little worrisome. I'm not saying I'm I'm not saying I want it to happen. It's not like Nick Foles, but it's definitely something I I did think about. So I didn't want to go too too early into the trust tree and and make it super serious football that early. But it was something that I was worried about. Let's get out of the trust tree. We're moving away from said tree, and just let's talk about Howie. Let's talk about Howie, and let's talk about his defensive line on paper because. What everyone's speculating is that Vinnie Curry is going to be the, the cap casualty here, which is fine. I mean, if they can make it work to where it's <laughs> where it, I mean, just cl- close your eyes, close your eyes, envision this week one next year. It's it's you know first game of the year. We trot out BG, Michael Bennett, Fletcher Cox, and Derek Barnett. I mean, honestly, did you just hear? 
Eli Manning just throw the ball into the ground? Did you did you guys miss that? Did you miss Dak Prescott shitting down his leg? Did you miss Alex Smith melancholy being like, oh, okay. <laughs> did you miss all that? Because they're going to just eat next year. We thought the line was dominant this past season. Now think about Michael Bennett coming in here, coming off of 900 snaps last year, still being productive. Now imagine fresh legs, Michael Bennett. We saw what fresh legs did to Chris Long. Now imagine that with, with Michael Bennett. I mean, it's over. It's over. This, this team loves a defensive line almost as much as Andy Reid loves loves mac and cheese, like we like our friend Charles McDonald brought up. Um, that's headline number one. Howie, Howie, Howie. Never settles for anything. He is the GOAT. Um, number two headline of the week. It was a, We haven't done a show since the Combine, but I want to talk about Doug. Because Doug walked around that Combine in a Super Bowl 52 polo on the first day, and he was just he was just slamming his dick on the table and showing everyone how big it was. I was nervous for the beat reporters out there. I thought they might they might be in the way of Doug's Doug's huge balls. But they came out alive. Doug walking around in a Super Bowl 52 polo was was such a cocky Doug move. Such a cocky Doug power move that I loved every second of it. I want more of that. And it made me question, who do I like more, Cocky Doug or Cocky Howie? Because Cocky Howie did emerge, and he couldn't keep Doug's Doug's balls out of his mouth. There was at least three different quotes of him talking about Doug's balls. It was remarkable. And Howie also came on our station and said, um, yeah, we don't have cap space, but I'm sure the teams that do have cap space weren't playing in February. Slamming his dick on the table. There's a lot of dicks being slammed onto the table by Howie and Doug. These guys are just, they're feeling themselves, and I love it. And then Howie goes back to cocky Howie yesterday and trades for Michael Bennett. Cocky Howie is a, is a menace to society, and I love it. We had the return of cocky Howie and the return of cocky Doug in the same week, and it just, I forgot how much I love those two together. Um, another thing that happened on Sunday was the Eagles, they, they, they released, traded, and renegotiated Vinny Curry within like 15 minutes. So Ian Rappaport, who low-key sucks at his job, very low-key sucks, very bad, not good at it, and has had many people in the media mock him for how bad he is at reporting stuff. He had the Eagles as first releasing him, then trying to trade him, and then there there's talk of renegotiating. So every, all three possible outcomes for Vinny Curry were tweeted out by rap sheet within a 15 minute period. And I don't know if you guys are like this, but I'm like this where when I see that first report of Vinny Curry being gone, I automatically talk myself into, well, we didn't need him anyway. He's not even good. Like, why do we even need Vinny Curry? And then they, they're talking about bringing him back. And I'm like, well, I already told myself, I already told myself I didn't like him. So then I kind of go back on myself with all that being said, I need Derek Barnett to be the starter next year because I've come out and said, that I think Derek Barnett is going to be a Hall of Famer, and I need him to get on that Hall of Fame track um, almost immediately. So if they could get onto that, that would be fantastic. Um, fifth headline: uh, The Eagles are supposedly enamored with a guy named Leighton Vanderesh, which I don't think is a real person. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Now I'm not 100 percent sure, but I'm pretty sure that this is just a move by the Flyers 
to get some people talking about their team. Leighton Van Der Esch is, is not a real person. Stay woke on this. Leighton Van Der Esch is a Flyers goalie prospect. There's no other way to explain that, and the Flyers organization is playing a trick on everyone by, by floating out this Leighton Van Der Esch guy because he sounds like a made-up Flyers goalie prospect. So stay woke. He's not a real person. Don't fall for their tricks. They're just trying to get people to talk about their hockey team. Leighton Van Der Esch is not a real person. I think every week I'm going to come up with a with a Nick Foles trade until it actually happens. Um, I need Nick Foles gone. I've needed Nick Foles gone since they won because I need draft picks, and I know how he needs draft picks. But our new Nick Foles trade idea does not involve draft picks. It involves bringing our prodigal son home. Here is my trade proposal for this week. Nick Foles for Larry Fitzgerald. Now you say, Jack, that's crazy. I want them to go get Larry Fitzgerald because if you remember... For about a five to six year to eight year window there, every single offseason, it was, how are the Eagles going to get Larry Fitzgerald? They're interested in Larry Fitzgerald. I think it's time to finally bring our prodigal son home. It's time to bring home Larry Fitzgerald. Who's with me? Is everyone with me? Larry Fitzgerald has been meant to be an Eagle since he entered the league. Because for every year he was in the league and established himself as a star, it was Larry Fitzgerald is going to be an Eagle. And I think it's time we should do that now. Coming off a of Super Bowl, he can end his career here like the prodigal son that he is. Nick Foles for Larry Fitzgerald. I think it makes sense. And it's about time that can finally be, be, be put to rest. It's time to squash some beef. So uh, I don't know if you uh, – I was, it was pointed out to me through, through tweets that the, the Kist and Solak show was just taking a large shit all over the CounterPoint podcast. Just taking a, a, a big, large dump all over the Counterpoint podcast. So I've decided to bring on Michael Kist to talk about his actions because, you know, we don't need this kind of attitude around BGN Radio. Let's talk some combine slash uh, squash some beef because I'm here with Michael Kist. Uh, Michael Kist, of course, part of what is it? The It's the List and Kodak show. Is that is that what your podcast is here on, on BGN Radio? Are you, are you still mad that I called your show the counterpart show after taking some Twitter mailback questions, Jack? Yeah, the, the, counterpart, <laughs> the, the counterpart podcast. And I just want to know, where did you come up with the cool idea for a mailbag? That's an original idea that I came up with. I don't know. I've been doing it ever since Twitter <laughs> existed, even though I only joined Twitter like a year ago. So that's a lie. <laughs> so you called, you called it the counterpo- counterpart podcast. Uh, it, a blatant slap in the face to what we do over here at the Very Important Counterpoint Podcast. Uh, you know, we have a trust tree that we talk about on this podcast that you you, you just shit all over the trust tree, which it, 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 I think you need to apologize. Uh, you laid the gauntlet down saying that you're the only one that could have one. I didn't I didn't know that was the rules on the new guy in town. So I, from the bottom of my heart, will apologize at some point in the future. So put that in your pocket and save that for, for later. It, it will happen. It will happen. I, I am genuinely sorry. I'm just not ready to express it fully yet. Yeah, but you know, I will recommend that there is a, a ceasefire <laughs> on the list and, what you call it, the list and Bolak show and counterpart? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now we're just messing with everyone's brains. Now everyone is just all confused <laughs> because of our because of our dumb beef. Uh, but, Michael Kist, I mean, when I listen to you and Ben do podcasts, like, I feel so dumb. Like, 
the the way you guys talk about football and like the way that the counterpoint podcast talks about football it's like it's like we're not even watching the same sport i mean you guys i i am blown away i'm so glad you guys are with us now uh so first off welcome aboard uh it's okay that you completely shit over all over my podcast i understand it's not that important um but welcome aboard and we're we're very glad to have you yeah, man, it is uh, great to be with you guys, to be with a group of guys as passionate about the Eagles and all things life as as you guys are. So I'm really enjoying my time with you guys, and, and the uh, the listeners have been, been awesome as well, really complimentary of uh, everything we're, uh, we're trying to do. I feel like we have a nice balance with, uh, with you guys, the yin and yang thing going on, coming at you from all different viewpoints. So I think it's good. Yeah, no, me and Varch were talking about it yesterday. Just we have a nice... Uh... A nice rotation here at, at BGN Radio. But uh, you guys were were just freaking out over the combine. It was a really entertaining listen. It, it was weird this year because usually I get into draft talk and draft conversation and, and free agency and all that stuff way earlier. But the Eagles messed around and won something called the Super Bowl this year. So I've been getting into it really late. And I enjoyed listening to the podcast and getting caught up on the combine and kind of starting to get into that mode. Um, first question for you about the combine did it move when you saw Saquon's combine results? Did it? Did, did I move my evaluation on him? No, no, no. As far no, as, no, uh, no. Or have did you, the uh, Earth move? Do you watch? <laughs> did you watch Seinfeld? Oh, I I do, but I'm 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 lost on the reference right now. Come on, it's, I'm trying to keep. I'm trying to shift gears from the Kiss and Soul lecture. I want to let my hair down a little bit. You, you gotta know, let your ball. hair down. This is this is the not serious podcast. I'm just asking. <laughs> did it? Did it? Did it move a little bit watching Saquon? Saquon I, I got, yeah, I got a half. I want to say a half Nick Chubb, maybe a quarter Bradley Chubb. Beautiful. So, <laughs> I, I don't blame you because what Saquon Barkley did was unlike anything I've ever seen. And then seeing his numbers next to like Joe Thomas, Julio Jones. I mean, the guy is just an athletic freak. Yeah, yeah. For for two thirty three to move the way that he does, and obviously you look at his lower body, you know he's going to be explosive, and he tested the way I kind of thought he would. Uh, so, you know, you're not going to double-check that box, but just as far as being a freak, going out there and confirming that, he is definitely down to freak for sure, man. He's an impressive human being. Yeah, and, you know, we're going to let the Giants just take him, and it's going to be fine. Whatever. Like, you know, he went to Penn State. They're always busting the league anyway, so I'm not I'm not really worried about it. But, I, you know, I had to let you talk about Saquon. I had to let you gush about Saquon a little bit. But the real important thing here is that I want the Eagles to take Dallas Goydert. And is that how you say his name? Is it Goydert? I believe it's Goddard. Goddard. Okay, so I want the Eagles to take him. I don't know if it's at 32 or whatever, but I just want to hear Eagles fans say, I love da- Dallas but then slowly be like, I love Dallas. Do you think Dallas Godert is, is a play at 32? Yeah, I, I believe he is, and he's the number one tight end on my board. Wow. Um, I have a mid to late first round grade on him. It'll be interesting to see how he tests it, because I've, I've heard that he may test in like the 4-6 range or something like that, uh, which is not on par with Mike Gusecki's freakish uh, combine, but he's going to give you a little bit more juice as a blocker. He gives you a lot as a pass catcher. They flexed him out at South Dakota State a lot. Uh, very natural hands, natural athletes. So I, I, I love Goddard, and uh, I would be def- definitely happy to pair him with Zach Ertz. Uh, and, you know, even if we look later, guys like Darren Smythe, Dalton Schultz, stuff like that, guys, role players that, that could have some upside as pass catchers. But, yeah, I mean, 
it's all luxury picks, right? Because we're pretty much set everywhere with the possibility of maybe linebacker and, you know, you obviously want to look at an offensive tackle, but it's a bit of a weak class for that up top. But, yeah, Goddard's my dude, so I definitely would not be upset with that pick at all. Yeah, I was just trying to make a dumb joke about his first name. I didn't know he was actually like a like a legit <laughs> like a legit prospect. So that's that's exciting for me and my brand. So there you go. So go me. One thing I have to talk about, and I didn't I didn't I didn't write it down until you started talking. We have to talk about your 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 podcast host for a second because I have a, a minor beef with Benjamin Solak, and I think we all do. Yeah, well, of course. What you said there in that last sentence made me remember is that in the Counterpoint podcast, we can always say we, like when talking about the Eagles. I don't get offended if anyone ever says we, or because the Eagles, in my opinion, are family, and you can say we. Now, Ben, on the other hand, Ben says Philadelphia. And, or he says it Philadelphia. Yeah, I, I need him to stop <laughs> saying Philadelphia. Because when whenever someone says Philadelphia, I just automatically associate them with not being an Eagles fan or just being a national media. So if you really want to appease yourself to the counterpoint listeners, I think you need to talk to Ben and say, Ben, stop saying Philadelphia, start saying the Eagles. Yeah, and I want to do that. Every time that he says Philadelphia, I just want to throw in uh, on Eagles like ad-lib, like, you know, with the Migos or something like that, just to really bug. I, I like that one of the listeners pointed it out to him. And I think he's got a complex now because, you know, we're looking at each other while we're recording. And every time he says Philadelphia, ever since then, he's got like this little, this little tick in his face. And you know, he's trying to like, oh man, I should have said the Eagles right there. But so I kind of like him suffering through that, that little mental block that he's, that he's having. He's like Chuck Knobloch not being able to throw the first. He can't say the Eagles, even though he wants to desperately. Um, so I'm going to let it ride like it is. Until he uh, until he figures it out, man. Benjamin, is it Benjamin Solak Fultz? Is that what we're calling him now? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. There you go. Yeah, he's got he's got to work on it. But I'm glad the, the guy that pointed that out to him, I guarantee, was a counterpoint listener because that is something that we have addressed on said podcast. Uh, oh, that's definitely on brand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk about the quarterbacks for a second. Um, I have a very strong opinion on Luke Falk. So uh, I don't know if you saw, but he was wearing a glove on his left hand, and it wasn't raining or anything. And I just want to ask you, how many lockers did Luke Falk get shoved in because he's a complete nerd? Yeah. Look, I said this during the combine. Luke Falk and Danny Etling, if you have a plan for these guys, and that plan is not to talk to them again ever after the combine, you're going to be fine. Because... Luke Falk is not a good quarterback whatsoever. He got benched multiple times in a QB-friendly system, working there with, with the legend Mike Leach. Uh, he is awful at football. I don't know why he put the glove on. I don't know if he does that regularly or not. I, it's, I it's, it's, not a, it's not an yeah. alpha move. It's not a move that an alpha dog would make, and I need my quarterback to be an alpha. I took him right off my board. Yeah, oh, exactly. I mean, the whole reason Baker Mayfield is my QB, too, is because he's an alpha. I didn't even have to watch the tape. Like, literally zero watt, tape watched on Baker Mayfield, as soon as he grabbed his crotch, QB2, automatically. Maybe, maybe the tape will push him up to QB1. We'll see. I like Baker Mayfield. Like, in all seriousness, I actually do like Baker Mayfield, and I hope he's good because I wanted to shed that Johnny Manziel label. I hate the Johnny Manziel, Manziel label. Look, as soon as someone catches Baker Mayfield coming out of a Vegas bathroom with a rolled-up $20 bill, okay, that's a red flag. Because, or passed out on an inflatable swan in Vegas as well like Johnny Manziel was. Or they catch him out in a club with a wig and a fake mustache or whatever it was, 
the night before a game and then misses the plane, you know, misses the flight. Until that stuff starts happening, we can stop making that comparison because it's 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 dumb. It's lazy. Although he did get tackled by the Birmingham cops, is that where he? Was? Yeah, I mean, I thought he showed some good elusiveness, man. But that cop has got a, a spot on a roster somewhere for sure. Yeah, he, he definitely played football in high school. At least <laughs> there's there's a zero zero percent chance yeah. that guy never played football because he saw Baker Mayfield and his his eyes lit up a little bit. Uh, and that's why you can't convert Baker Mayfield to wide receivers. So, right. I mean, that was the evidence right there. Right, right. But of course, Lamar Jackson. Of course, that guy's a that guy's a wide receiver for some reason. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't. Oh my God! It's silly season, brother. It's it is. It is. That's what happens. Narratives that get clicks, <laughs> and the, and the poor quarterbacks just get shredded to pieces. Like yeah. they get they get shredded more. Like they could be the perfect prospect. It could have been like Andrew Luck. And uh, someone would have mentioned that he's just like, for some reason, they had a major flaw that teams probably shouldn't take this guy. Yeah, and what happens is these teams, the agents, and these other teams, uh, the GMs, if they really like a guy, they'll put out bad stories about them. There was a case of that with uh, Leonard Fournette's agent doing it to Dalvin Cook uh, during the during the combine around that time last year, and that really, like, Shed a bunch of light on some possible character issues for Dalvin Cook, and nobody in the state of Florida would draft him. He ended up having to go to Minnesota with a clause in his contract that he couldn't take his posse with him. Uh, so misinformation and uh, you know just slandering other people and all these anonymous quotes and whatnot. Uh, you got to take all of those with a boulder of salt because a lot of it just absolute nonsense and smoke. I agree. Uh, so some wide receiver talk real quick. Um... First off, can you tell me about DJ Moore? Because I'm a Maryland football fan, and Ooh. I love DJ Moore. And I was surprised when I started doing some draft research, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, he's a top-five receiver. Do you think he's going to be good in the pros? Like, what do you see him being in the pros? I think he can work outside and inside. And I was surprised that, you know, me and Ben were talking about this. Like, did he grow? Because the team site had him listed as 5'11", and I felt draft scout had him listed as 5'10", and people thought, you know, he might just be a slot guy, and I watched him play, and I thought his play strength, his technique, the way he dealt with contact, his ability in contested catch situations were all pluses for him. I, I thought he could play outside, too, and then he measures in at six foot at the combine, and he does really well in all the drills. He runs really well and shows off his athletic profile. He's my number two receiver on my board, and the, and the way I said it like this on the, on, on the Kiss and Solak show was, if you had to pick an X, Z, and slot receiver, depending on your need, you could take the, the first wide receiver off the board. You could take either Cortland Sutton, Calvin Ridley, or DJ Moore, depending on what you wanted. And DJ Moore also gives you the versatility of to, to do both. He's a, he's a darn good football player. He's going to end up in my top 20 for sure. I, I love his game. And one guy you didn't mention there is Equonimonious <laughs> St. Brown, who yeah. I've seen in like some people's you know, top five receivers. That guy is not draftable. The, that no guy with that name is draftable. You like imagine. Uh, first off, every GM is going to butcher that name. And yeah. second off, can you imagine? Can you imagine Kenny Albert's dumbass looking face trying to pronounce Equinomius Saint Brown? He's not draftable. Well, t- tell me, find me another receiver named Equinomius that has been successful in the NFL. You can't I find bet one. You can't do it. I mean that's case closed right there, right? Exactly. And like, what's his what's his nickname? Like Equa or like? I think it, I think it's EQ. EQ. See yeah, now, EQ. now I think if, I think if he wants to get drafted the first three rounds, he's got to start going by EQ. 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 I, yeah, I got to look it up. But his brother's got a crazy name too. Our listeners, go out there and Google Equinemius St. Brown's 
brother because I think that name is also bonkers. That's a he's a, he's an interesting dude though. He's he's like fluent in German and like a couple other languages. Like so, he's, he's not a football guy. Notre Dame, but but he might be a Scientologist with that name. So we ne- we never know. Listen, if if you're if you're fluent in other languages not football related, I'm not interested in in my honest <laughs> opinion. Spending too much time on other languages and not studying the playbook, right? Right. Is he even uh, practicing? <laughs> that's that's an anonymous scout quote right there. Guy's got hor- he's got a horse, he's got a car, he's got a family, he doesn't care about football. That was an actual quote, by the way, from an anonymous, anonymous scout last year about Kendall Beckwith. Oh, man. Oh, it's going to be fun. Uh, so this is a very important question because yeah. uh, Al Davis was, was near and dear to my heart. Uh, the Darius Hayward Bay pick will, will, ne- will go down in infamy. Um, which players 40 do you think almost caused Al Davis to get up out of his grave and go talk to Mark Davis about drafting? I think it was Denzel Ward, the cornerback from uh, OSU, who ran a 4-3-2, uh, a little bit undersized, but dude's got burners. I think he, he was in the 98th percentile for his 40 and the 97th percentile for his broad jump. So, again, one of those guys where, you know, Davis wouldn't even have to see the tape. He would see that he ran a, a 4-3-2, and I don't think any other corner was faster. I think uh, Dante Jackson from LSU, who's got like superstar track speed, uh, he would be another guy that he would overdraft. Like Dante Jackson was probably like a, a second to third round guy. He would have taken him in the top five for sure. Like no doubt whatsoever. I love Al Davis. He's a crazy person. Do you think he would have offered Derek Carter to move up and take John Ross last year? I think Al Davis would have offered a lot of stuff for a lot of things, at the, especially in the later point in his life. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't put that out of the, the realm of possibility. Uh, is is Layden is Layden Vander Esch a real person, or did a Flyers fan just put him in there as a joke? Because I'm pretty sure that's a goalie prospect and not a real football player. Yeah, he's an NHL created player. Like, that's exactly that's, what that's, he is. That's a gimmick. <laughs> or like a generated Madden rookie, where they just slapped a bunch of different different names together. It's a ridiculous name, uh, and people are having trouble with it. So they just call him LVE on the timeline because that's kind of good. Type all that out. It's wasting my characters. I like I like LVE. I think I'm in on LVE. But I did see, in all seriousness, the Eagles seem to really like this guy, right? Yeah, I mean, linebacker is something we're going to be looking at definitely. And you know, I'm I'm hot and cold with with Vander Esch with with LVE when I when I watch his tape. Uh, he he seems like a guy that could it could be ascending. I mean, he tested like crazy, so that's something I got to look for. I just think he's a little bit slow to process things, and it doesn't allow him to unleash that athleticism. Uh, he may be. He, I heard him comp to Brian Urlacher, but he may be Brian Urlacher like that's like getting tackled four or five yards down the field, wrapping around the waist and dragging him down type type of guy. But I mean, I could also be very very wrong on him. So I'm going to be very careful in hedging my bets with LVE, not being too far in, but also not being too far out as far as my draft board goes. I think that's a good strategy. Do you think whoever uh, whoever drafts him? Are they going to make Mark Emmerich call every one of his games? Because I, Mark Emmerich saying Vander Esch, it, it, it makes it move a little bit. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, that, 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 would, uh, that would be enticing to me. So if that's part of the contract uh, that his agent negotiates, I'll, I'll, I'll be in on that for sure. Why does, why does Ben Solak have Roquan Smith behind Tremaine Edmonds? Because the because Edmonds is only 19 right now. Oh, wow. Yeah, and he—I mean—he's only been playing the position for for a couple of years or, or something like that. But like, he is a freakish athlete that's super young that is just starting to figure it out. And I think when you watch his games in progression, you know, going from the first game to the last game, you can see the light bulb 
kind of click for him, which is encouraging. So if you're grading him like off the first game, the first six games of the season, you're like, oh, this isn't so great. And that's kind of what I happened with me. And then you watch the second half of the season, and you're like, oh, this guy could actually like, this guy could be something. And like alien-like arms, and he's, he's a monster. And uh, I, I think it's just the upside at that point. I don't think they're too far away on his board. And I think they're pretty close for me on my board, so I don't I don't think it's worth arguing about. However, we are on the Kiss and Solak show that's going to drop tomorrow. We are going to be arguing about top fifty big boards, and I'll make sure to uh, let them know that you're not too happy with them about that. It's just it's just that every year I talk myself into one linebacker because for some reason I have this weird linebacker syndrome where I just want a dope linebacker. And yes, Jordan Hicks is dope, but he's also always hurt. So like last year, oh. my baby was Ruben Foster, and I still oh. think he's good, even though he's got. A lot of problems. Um, yeah. Well, then, we're not privy to all that stuff. And Ruben Foster, he was a top five talent. Yeah, and, you know, as long as the medical checked out with him, he was a little bit banged up last year. But it's it's all the off field stuff with him. That, you know, we don't necessarily hear about other than him storming out of the uh, the combine and yelling at people and, and all that. But I was kind of like, I want my linebacker to to eat glass. I want him to chew nails and be pissed off all the time. So I was kind of in on that. Yeah, I talked but, myself uh, into that too. <laughs> I agree. I agree. So last one before I let you get out of here. Somehow this ended up being twenty minutes, and I don't know how because it just <laughs> it just uh, just started flowing. I just love talking with you, Jack. Right. Love talking of course. with you, man. We're new friends. We're figuring each other out. It's a great time to be alive. I think this is this is actually the number one draft pos- pos- podcast now on BGN Radio. This is really this is where the important <laughs> stuff is talked about. Uh, That's right. So for me, the 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 sign of a great organization and a smart organization is finding late round talent and develop them developing them into studs. Who do you think, off the top of your head, would be a, a, a possible late-round steal for the Eagles? Late-round steal? I will go. Uh, I was going to go with Fred Warner, but he's starting to shoot up some draft boards. Somewhat a little bit rougher around the edges. You might be looking at, uh, we were talking about Isaac, uh, Isaac Yadam uh, from Boston College, cornerback. We saw him in the senior bowl. I mentioned him on, on the show uh, that, that dropped and he was locking dudes up. He's a physical press corner. That could definitely be one guy. Uh, Naeem Hines, the running back from NC State, uh, who's got some vision issues but runs a 4 3 has got track speed, uh, and can line up as a receiver as well. If you use him like in a James White role, like they use uh, White in New England, line him out, out, out wide every once in a while and use him in a variety of ways, I think he can have a really big impact early in his career. So I'll, I'll go with Naeem Hines. Fun stuff. Uh, Michael Kiss, thank you for joining me on the Counterpoint podcast. Uh, listen to the Kiss and Solak show, uh, which I see you guys just dropped an episode. I think it just came out today, but you're recording yeah. another one tonight. You guys are maniacs, and I love it. <laughs> yes, sir, man. Thank you for having me on. I, I am glad we are able to squash our beef. Uh, I'll work on starting a new beef as soon as I can. Yeah, you seem like a troublemaker, so, <laughs> so it's important. All right, thanks, Mike. No problem. Take it easy. Well, now that that's settled, uh, I think, it, you know, I was going to ban Michael Kist. Uh, I was going to ban him and, and Ben because Ben didn't step in on Michael's mistake and, and correct him and say it is the Counterpoint podcast. But I decided not to ban him. I decided to, to be lenient and, and, and you know, just say, hey, it's, it's okay, man. But now that that beef is squashed, it's time to get to the Counterpoint mailbag. As always, you can send your mailbag questions to counterpointmailbag at gmail.com, and I will try to read as many as I can. Uh, first one from David Smith. 
Hey Jack, love the show. Like he said on your last show, I too cannot stand when people argue that we should trade Carson Wentz and keep Nick Foles long term after just two great games. I feel like a common argument for Foles is that he only really lost games under Jeff Fisher, who is a terrible coach. My question is, if in some horrible alternate universe, the Rams took Carson first overall two years ago, would Jeff Fisher still be coaching? How much success do you think Carson would have had? So, first off, David, in the trustery, don't you put that fucking thought in my head of, of, of Carson Wentz not being here? That is just sick and twisted on your part. But I also think that Carson Wentz is good enough to where he makes it work wherever he goes. So Jeff Fisher's probably still coaching, which is a, which is like good for the league. But I also don't think I don't think Carson's as good. I don't think I don't think the Rams are as good. Uh, and keeping Jeff Fisher is a, it would be it would have been a huge mistake. So I think they probably I think they have like a nine and seven ish feel to them rather than the, the leap they took this year under Sean Sean McVay. So um, yeah, I, it was probably best of both worlds. Although missing out on Carson Wentz is a is a big thing. Uh, from Austin Glenn. Hey, Jack, congrats on the great season covering the Eagles. The BGN radio guys are awesome, but it's good to fall into the trust tree every once in a while to get a realist view instead of just optimism. Well, I mean, thanks. That's what you get here. It's just <laughs> realism. Uh, I'm from Jacksonville and was hoping to see a Jags-Eagles Super Bowl. What would your opinion on that matchup have been? Also, how would you feel about a Foles for Honey Badger trade? Thanks again. So they definitely can't afford Honey Badger. And we've already talked about how Foles for Larry Fitzgerald is is the clear move. How would I have felt about a Jags-Eagles Super Bowl? I, I was on record saying I would have rather played the Patriots. But I was actually more nervous about playing the Jags because of that front against Nick Foles. And I thought that the Patriots couldn't touch Nick Foles heading into that game. So I thought the Jags could have. And sure, Doug's a genius. But as we've seen with Nick Foles, I mean... Once, once he starts backpedaling, it all starts falling apart. So I was definitely more nervous about the Jags for sure, and I'm glad we play the Patriots. But then again, like Blake Bortles was not beating Nick Foles. I will go to my grave saying that Nick Foles is a better quarterback than Blake Bortles, who I can't believe. Like, why are you even? Why are you even resigning? Resigning Nick, uh, Blake Bortles? I think that's, I think that's ridiculous. Um, Nick Foles to the Cowboys from uh, Theodore Buriani. Jack, long-time listener, I just had a question about to what extent do the Eagles actually love Nick Foles? I know he won the Super Bowl and blah, 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 but I agree we should definitely trade him and how he's smart enough to not do that or to not not do that. Uh, we won't trade him there, but what if in the future Foles signs with the Cowboys? Has he earned the right to not be hated by us or is it still fuck Dallas? Uh, P.S. I lost, really won, a bet and had to get a tattoo of Wentz's face on my ass because the birds won the Super Bowl. And it's the best bet I've ever made. Wow, buddy. That's uh that's some dedication. I'm not a tattoo guy. I don't really get the point of tattoos. If you're a tattoo person, that's fine. I just could never imagine myself with a tattoo. That's some serious dedication. And you're probably gonna regret it at some point. But uh now it's a great idea. Uh yes, if Nick Falls went to Dallas, no, I'm not booing Nick Falls. And nor should anyone ever boo Nick Falls. It's not a fuck Dallas thing. It, it, that is a that is a that is a, the guy is an icon here. He's a legend here forever. And let me not I don't want to get that twisted to where like me saying the Eagles trading Nick Foles because I don't like him. I like Nick Foles. But they have to the strike why the iron's hot. And I think not trading him would be incredibly short sighted. But um yeah, him on Dallas doesn't affect me. Doesn't matter. 
He is a he is a, a legend here. And even if he's playing for Dallas or the Giants or the Redskins, he's getting a standing ovation and grown men tears when he comes back here. From uh, Kyle Andrew Lonis. Andrew Lonis. Andrew Lonis. I'm gonna go with that one. That sounded much cleaner. Uh, hi Jack. I went to a Philly the Philly spring training game last week against the Rays, and it was a great day. I was wearing my Super Bowl champions hat and an Alshon Jeffrey jersey. I thought that listening to this podcast would have prepared me well for the Go Birds moment. I did well handling all the face-to-face interactions because about half the people there were also wearing Super Bowl champs hats. However, in the fifth inning, I went to get my beer and with me, with me and my friend, and on my way back to my seat, a random voice in the crowd yelled, Go Birds! I couldn't tell who said it because there were Eagles fans everywhere at the game, so I just walked past the section with one beer held above my head in celebration. What do you think is the appropriate way to respond to a Go Birds from a random voice in the crowd? Jesus Christ, man. Like, I feel... I feel awkward just reading that. That is that is the single worst kind of go birds to get when you don't know who it's from, and then it's just you in front of the whole section, and you turn around that slow, like like almost Bambi-ish way. You turn around, and you're kind of just your eyes are blinking a little bit. That's an that's an awkward moment. But I think Kyle, I'm gonna get real serious with you. I think you crushed it. A beer above the head, in just a, in just like a hey. Go Birds. Perfect execution. Still a super awkward time. That's the worst kind of Go Birds to get when, you, when you're in a group of people and you're in the front row and all eyes are on you. It's a real awkward time. And, and Kyle, I think you crushed it. Proud of you, kid. Blake Smart. Hey, Jack. First off, love the pod. I'll never forget which BGN show had the OG mailbag, so don't worry about that. Thank you. Freaking kissed and Solak. Unbelievable. Uh, when it comes to my question, I've been meaning to ask it for a long time, and now that the dust has settled and we have emerged victorious, I think I'm good to finally ask it. I've been to two Eagles games in my life. The first was the home opener in 2015, and the second was this past year versus the Rams. These two games both resulted in a QB being injure, injured for the rest of the year, and I'm f- truly debating if me going to another game is worth the risk, especially given uh, Carson's now fragile state. I'm turning to the trust tree for guidance here. Sincerely, Blake Smart. Blake, I love you. But no, you should fucking not ever go to a game ever again. Please do not ever, don't ever go to a game. Now, sure, if the Eagles are already out of the playoffs, they don't have a good quarterback, you know, they're in one of those down times, you can come. You can come in the stadium. But if the Eagles are in the midst of a run here with Carson, for the rest of Carson's career, Blake, you are you are not allowed inside the link or any game Carson is playing in. I'm sorry, but as the head of the trust tree, I got to look out for other members of the trust tree, but ultimately I got to look out for the Eagles, and in, in the Eagles' best interest, you cannot attend another Eagles game. I'm sorry. I know it sounds pretty harsh, but please don't. And I think I decided right now, Blake... If you're on Twitter, tweet at me and say, this is Blake from the podcast. I'll quote tweet it and say, this is the guy. And then the fellow trust traders will, 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 will tweet at me and let you know as well. But I think, I think I'm right here. I think if I'm reading the tree, like I usually read the tree, you're not allowed in another game. Also, yeah, we should just start doing that. So if you are a, a, a diehard listener of the counterpoint podcast and you're a member of the trust tree, uh, tweet at me, let me know you're in the trust tree. And I'll give you a follow back. I want to follow all the, all the, the diehard listeners of the podcast because I think it's really cool and I want to build a community here. So let's just do that. And then we can we can have some trust tree talks on on Twitter, 
on a Twitter.com. We'll get to it. It's great. Um, from uh, Twitter here, an- at another beer rep, serious question, uh, why do teams trade with Howie? It's a great question. It's a great question. Every time he calls, like Howie has never really lost a trade. And every time he calls, it's like, why Why are you even picking up the phone at this point? You know you're, you're, you know you're about to get robbed. You know you're about to get held up with gunpoint. Just stop trading with him. Now, please keep trading with him, obviously, because it only benefits us. But just when he's calling, just don't pick up. I don't think it's that hard. I mean, come on. Come on, Howie. Come on. Other NFL teams, you're all dumb. We got market inefficiency Howie on us, on our hands. Um, <clears throat> from Michael Q. Coggin. Does any part of you worry acquiring Bennett has the feel of Ruben Amaro Jr. acquiring Halliday, Lee, Oswalt, Ibanez, Pence to capitalize on an open window? I trust Howie and Joe Douglas to keep the roster balanced in age slash asset, but we can, we can canon, canonize uh, Ruben Amaro Jr. at the same time. So um, in a way, because you know bringing in Bennett, I'm worried about them moving on from BG. I'm not worried about it yet. I'm not worried about it at this exact moment because if they go into this draft without draft picks from, you know, I mean, without a second round pick, a third round pick, I know they have the fourth round picks, but the fifth round pick, like, I would just be shocked. I would be utterly shocked. So right now, sure, you can have this concern just a little bit, but around draft time, if they are still where they're at asset-wise, I would be shocked. So I, I not yet. Not yet. It's it's only a benefit right now. So, uh, from at smart at the Smarty Jones, Smarty Jones on Twitter, uh, is it more appropriate to call Howie Rosen the MacGyver of the salary cap or the Houdini of the salary cap? So MacGyver, I don't think I've ever seen that show, but Houdini Houdini is supposedly a wizard. I also don't know who that is. Um, so I'm gonna go with Houdini because other people have called Howie Houdini. So I'm gonna trust those people. And I think that's a fair way to go about it. Um, but that's going to do it for the mailbag portion of the show. Uh, as always, thank you for sending them. You can always send your mailbag questions to counterpointmailbag at gmail.com. And when, once this posts on, on iTunes, feel free to give us an iTunes uh, review and a five-star rating because they go a long way towards promoting the podcast. And once we get to 1,000 reviews... John Barcher's throwing a pizza party, baby. And you know you want to be part of Pizza Party. Everyone loves Pizza Party. So leave a review. We really appreciate it. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. And I'll talk to you next week. This is what, your second record, and it's the song you wrote. Uh, yes, I write most of the stuff.